so picking up part two after our little recess just now. So resuming from part one, this time we've got Al Rodriguez chipping and churning in. Chiming in. Chiming in. Well, I guess me as a big history buff, I just uh, just uh, wanted to know how, how was it, you know, coming of age in the late 60s, early 70s during that whole very big uh, tumultuous time during American history during that whole, you know, counterculture movement and the Vietnam War yes, protest and Richard Nixon. It was very interesting coming into coming of age during that time. And, oh, yeah. What was the thing you most remember from that age? Oh, I remember all of it. I remember protesting against the war, not just Vietnam, but Cambodia. Uh, yep, yeah, the secret bombings. Yeah. Yes, and, um, and I went to college in Baltimore, so I was close to Washington. So we went, we, we went into Washington, and we went and knocked on congressmen's doors and tried to convince them to... So you did a little bit of activism. Oh, yeah. I definitely did. Oh, well, that's great. Definitely did. Wow. And that's I, that's why I became a lawyer, actually, because I realized that in order to make change, I would have to be work within the system. Yeah, you can't just be a person on, on the outside yeah, banging talking. on doors. Yeah, but, you have to go to right, law school also to, to get your voice heard. Right, exactly. So that was what convinced me to go to law school, to, because I wanted to be a good guy, and I felt like the way to do that, the vehicle for that, was to be a, to go to law school and become a lawyer. Did your husband get um, enrolled into the Vietnam War? No. My he, dad did. Selective service. No, he, got, he got a deferral. Because um, he was in he college. Was in college yeah. My dad would turn 18, and he got a letter in the mail saying oh. he had to go. So my dad, that if it wasn't for that, my dad was so poor at the time. He came from a poor family that couldn't afford college. So he scraped together what he could and took off, went to college, and became a teacher. Uh -huh. So that's how he got his life started. But that was pretty interesting to me that you didn't have a choice back then. No, you And that didn't. was one of the most disturbing wars. I went to a museum one time. And like the feces traps and the urine traps yeah. that the Vietnams would do, oh, the Vietnam awful. people would do. So, or keeping them and hurting them. The way they hurt people is way different than American torture. Right. It's more sick and twisted, I think. It was horrible. Very much so. It so, was horrible. Yeah, you're lucky that none of that had to happen. Yeah, but some of my friends went. Uh, uh, and and would they make it out okay? Not, uh, not everybody. Not everybody. No, it was, it was a terrible cost. Uh, the the biggest thing which I, I sympathize a useless war. It was a senseless, useless war. Exactly. The only reason that that we went to war is to stop the communist influence. Really. Well, we the only reason we went to war is because the French gave it to us. Yep, the French, French they Indochina. Said, Here, have this war. We don't want it anymore. Who just says that, and then we just say, "All right." And we let's said, go "Okay, war. we'll take it over." Yeah, her uncle, my grand uncle, was a World War Two veteran. And didn't they just say, so was they didn't, grandpa. no one really oh, wanted, yeah. did they just say stop? They didn't say stop. They kept it going. For they like 20 years, right? Yeah. I saw it on my phone. Right? Yes. I like to read stuff. Like yes. Yeah. It kept going for a really long time. Yeah. And it caused a lot of heartache and a lot of unnecessary death. Yeah. And destruction and devastation for people who came back not the same. And a lot of restlessness in, the, in, in America. And Vietnam's so small. When I yes. saw, yeah, Vietnam's not a big place. Right. So where are all these people coming 
Oh, it was unbelievable. Compared to America, it's huge. Right. Compared to Vietnam. Right. So we have more people. We sent so many people over there, and so many people got killed, and so many Vietnamese got killed, too. You think more so the Americans than Vietnamese? Because they got... I mean, they walked they, into all the kinds Vietnamese of The didn't come here. It was all on their land. Right. Wow. So yeah, sorry. Vietnamese are here now, but they weren't. They didn't come here. No, it was on. The war was there. Mm-hmm. And then we got into Cambodia, which was really crazy because we already knew from Vietnam not to do that, but we did it anyway. It, it, those were secret bombings. Nixon didn't want those publicized, but they were right. actually publicized. Right. With uh, McNamara. I know right. that. <laughs> yeah, they were published. I'm a big history buff. That's yeah. why I know all this. I yeah. mean, that, that was my major in college. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you get your degree in history? Yes, I, yes, I would. History and policy, yep. What did you do with your degree? Uh, I was, uh, I was a teacher for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but then he just said, I don't feel like doing it no more. How come? Uh, I forget why it was. It was not too much money. That's why I was like, they were paying me like eleven bucks an hour, and I was like, forget this. And I was just, I was just more of a hustler mindset. That's it, really. But that this podcast is about your mom, not me. We'll say that for another day. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. So again, uh, so we're talking about that whole era, uh, and so uh, another significant moment of that era. I mean. Uh, maybe uh, during that that whole uh, crisis during like I, around the same time you met your husband during the oil crisis it was seventy three seventy four. Oh well, I worked for the Department of Energy during that time. I was a, a regulatory and criminal attorney during that time. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I knew a lot about the oil crisis. Oh yeah, well, defend all Was there like long lines at I the didn't gas station? I defend criminals. I prosecuted. Oh, you did. Them. Oh, I worked with the U.S. Attorney's Office to prosecute you. criminals. They didn't like me very much. Yeah. Um, it was very good practice for what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. my special ed advocacy, because I sat across the table from big oil companies, and I had to negotiate. And the, with the criminal work, I had to investigate. Um, we weren't allowed to prosecute. Unless you but, had real, real Well, evidence. we had to work with the U.S. Attorney's Office, and they did the actual prosecution, but we did the investigative work. And then we sat with them and with the U.S. attorneys and we worked with them and we helped them to understand our regulations because they were very complicated regulations. Did you get, ever get an overwhelming amount of, you know, there's just so many people in the system. There were a lot of criminals. How do you even get through it all? There's too many. Well, <laughs> when we, I went got, to court, we, did I saw... what, we did whatever we could do. Yeah, so many people. And there were a lot of people and there were a lot of, of scams. There were people who were... The oil companies who were taking oil out, um, old oil out of the country and on um, boats and then bringing it back in as new oil so that they could charge more money for it. <laughs> they were, I mean, it was, uh, there were companies who were colluding with each other to hike up oil prices so that people would have to, so that the public would have to pay more. Price gouging. Yeah. Um, there were all kinds of, there were people who had double books and we had to discover their double books. Um, I had a situation once where the state had taken over a set of books and we knew there was another set of books and we had a set of books and we wanted to subpoena the set of books that the state attorney's office had 
And this company said, yeah, yeah, well, we'll, we'll get the books back from the state and then we'll give you the books. Don't worry about it. Don't. And he was calling me, honey, sweetie, darling, don't <laughs> worry about it. And I said, okay, fine, honey, sweetie, darling. Oh, my God. And meanwhile, I was talking to the, attorney, to the state's mm -hmm. attorney, and I arranged for us um, to have some people there at the state's offices when they return, when they were due to return the books to this company mm -hmm. so that we could just take the books and they would never go back into the company's hands. And so they couldn't doctor them before they gave them to us. So we just took the books right, right from their hands and we didn't, they didn't have a chance to doctor them. And when I spoke to the state's attorney afterwards, he said, he wasn't calling you honey sweet hardly uh, anymore. No, 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 you no, should no. have heard what he was saying about you. You should have heard the names he was calling you. Oh my gosh. Well, you're probably the nicest uh, ex-prosecutor I've ever yeah. met. As well, <laughs> prosecutors I've run into, I was just yeah. like, oh my gosh. Oh, but it's terrible. fun to prosecute big oil companies. Oh yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah. Because but, they were, and they were doing such Terrible things. Smarmy things, yes. Oh, time I didn't really hear. You were a consumer advocate. Yeah, well, pretty much. I mean, I was I was um, a regulatory attorney for the U.S. Department of Energy, and then I did the criminal investigative work for the for the, ah, the for the Northeast Corridor. Uh -huh. And then I worked with the U.S. Attorney's Office to make, to prosecute the cases. Oh, wow, that's great. So, and that, yeah, that was in my other life. It was a long time ago. Yeah. It was very and, interesting. And, and, so, and you worked with the Department of Energy as well. You represented the... I was, the, I was hired by the Department of Energy. I worked oh, wow. for the Department of Energy. Was that during, was that going into like the Carter administration? Yes. Oh, awesome. I love, yeah, Jimmy Carter. Yes. Of course, yeah, Jimmy Carter was super progressive. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. And then, the, and then when Reagan got elected... Um, I actually stayed out of labor um, long enough to vote against Reagan, but it didn't matter. He got Reagan got elected, and um, he we knew he was going to uh, shut down. I mean, deregulate. We knew he was going to shut down the, the department mm -hmm. and just keep the keep nu nuclear, but shut down everything else. Mm -hmm. And so we all got pregnant. Actually, no, I didn't stay out of labor. That was the next time around. Um, that was the, for this, his second election. But um, for the first election, we all got, there were, there were five lawyers in the office. Three of us were women. And um, we all got pregnant within a month and a half what? of when Reagan got elected because we knew he was going to shut down the well, He was going to cut the budget. Yeah, he was going to cut the budget. He was going to shut down, essentially shut down the department and just keep nuclear regulatory open and shut down everything else. Mm -hmm. And we would all be um, fired anyway. But if you're pregnant, what does that have to do? Well, we we knew it was it was pointless to stick around because oh. he was going to get rid of us anyway. So we all decided that was a good time to get pregnant. We didn't discuss it with family. each other, but we all we oh all ended okay, up I got pregnant. it now. It was pretty funny. Yeah, that is funny. And do you still talk to these women that you know? Um, your kids uh, actually, the I you, I did for a while, and then I lost touch, and then I regained touch with 
one of them through Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Recently. Will yeah. You find. Yeah. I'm sure you found people that you thought you would never yes. see again yes. pop up through there. A bunch of people from actually from high school I'm on Facebook with now. That's great. That's yeah. a great way to keep in touch with people. Yeah, it is. And you know, when we try to call people that are from other parts of the world, it's free on Facebook just to talk to yes. them. wherever you are yes. in the world. It's free to talk yeah. to whoever. Oh, I would great. have never met one of my childhood idols, who I'm now good friends with, yeah, if not really, for Facebook. It the world it's true, together. It does. It's so it's there are problems with social media, but there are also wonderful There's things pros about and cons. it. And I'm lucky enough to have grown up and lived through this era where there was no technology of any sort, and then I watched technology develop right leaps and bounds which way would you have had it the way you guys used to have it like if your kid got lost in the mall you you can't oh i would never have it the other way i mean it's just it's so much easier so much yes it's much better it's much safer i mean i know there are safety issues with technology yeah but it overall it's so much safer because you can be you can connect you can have contact with each other in a way that you never could before her brother goes on vacation for two weeks you don't talk to him for two weeks your brother is completely behind on the time so um right we learned the hard way okay don't some don't get it but yeah it was back and i want to say oh nine where um, her, her brother and us both learned the hard way what it's like to still not have technology. Her brother, up until a few years ago, did not have a cell phone, refused to get one. And we were at um, Foxwoods Casino once in, in Connecticut. He was my ride. It was like two hours from where my grandma lives. And I had, and he was left me at the slot machines. He's like, I'll be back in like, 20 minutes to come check on you and me completely forgetting he didn't have a cell phone. Um, I went to like the food court to get something to eat and then got back maybe 25, 30 minutes later, he wasn't there. And I'm like, hmm, he hasn't called me yet. So he must still be doing his thing. Then five minutes later, I'm like, maybe I should call him. And what's his number? I'm like, fuck. Oh. We, yeah, we had to get all of the secure the casino security involved to track down my missing uncle who didn't have a phone. Now has he broke down and got one? Well, his Dan's brother got him one for probably a flip phone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But at least it's something. He got Some people are stubborn. Hunter. My that, grandma refuses to, to do it. You know when you're old when you hand someone a phone and they go to touch it and they hand it back and say, I yes. did something. Yes. <laughs> I did something. Yes. That's always when I know when someone doesn't use a smartphone. But yeah, I was so embarrassed. I was literally like a little kid crying looking for his lost parents and because I couldn't find my uncle who was my ride two hours away um and there was no way to contact him he didn't have a phone that's a good story I don't think I ever I heard that story that's a funny story yeah over the loudspeaker they were calling for my brother <laughs> he's a grown man so back in the day if your kids got lost i think i remember this yeah, in the 90s speakers. the intercom would go yeah. off looking for for children right, or, right. because or your you kids and i was nervous if i was late getting to going to pick them up if i was somewhere and i was late going to pick them up after school because there was no way to contact anybody yeah. 
it was it's so much easier now because you can connect yes of course everything is easy i mean i'm sure it's i wish i could go back in time for a little bit just it seems so simple and everyone's forced to talk to each other. Well, yes, instead that of being on their nice. phone. Yeah, yeah, that part was nice. Yeah. I mean, me and Dad, I don't know about you, Lindsay. I mean, we're all around the same age, but I remember very, very strongly the era without cell phones right. and without really right, the internet. Right, because you did live in that Yeah, era. yeah. I remember that era. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I know that when we look at the big picture, we always look at everything with rose-colored glasses, but... There are certain aspects I absolutely would go back to. I mean, I'm embarrassed what entertainment is nowadays compared to 90s entertainment. Anyone can be famous now. Right. Now that people have access to online things, anyone could just record themselves all day. So there's no, like, real talent or real celebrities. Well, not only. There is a downside. Yeah. But it's the fact that we can connect, I mean, I don't, I think it would have been impossible for Dan to live here and for us to live so far away without, without any contact. Right. Yeah, it would just kill you. That's yeah. Not, yeah, things, some things are different. And um, I always wanted to see what it was like just to go to a bar and everyone's focused on each other. Well, that's and not true. Looking at that's, their phone. Yeah. And that part is nice, but there are so many other things the technology opens up. Yeah. Well, and I do hate the forms of technology that make people super lazy, like Netflix, personally. Yes, it's convenient, but to me it's depressing because before um, it it was an experience going to yeah blockbuster video and choosing a movie for you guys to go back and watch. I mean, now it's, it's pretty much literally just watching TV, but clicking on a movie to watch instead. I yes. Like I, I, felt, I felt the same way. I really did. Blockbuster felt like an experience. Every it time was. I left. But I like the convenience of being able to just pick well, a movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I, liked, I like driving to go get And also, done. I guess for parents, it may be better. But for kids, I mean, it was an experience yeah. for little kids to go to the video rental store. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up, there was a video rental stores on almost every yes, two block, every other block back in the nineties, right, the early nineties. I remember that too. The little independent video rental stores. Because right. it's not even about like the no fun experience anymore. It's the fact that kids are uh, as if they yeah, weren't lazy missing, enough. Yeah, and they're missing out on something. There are there are things definitely missing now. But there are also things that are replacing those things that are missing that are really very beneficial. Like the self-checkouts. Oh, yeah, yeah that's something else. Everyone steals from those things. Very, very strong era. <laughs> yeah, they are the guards for the self-checkouts to I try know. to prevent the stealing. Yes, you're right. The I think the only thing I ever really stole in my life was... um. Uh, give a, what was fruit snacks in second grade from the cafeteria. <laughs> uh, and did you feel guilty person. about it? Well, I got caught, and that's only because wow. one of my classmates, she kept persuading me to, and and I got sick of her asking me to, so I'm finally like, fuck it, grab some. I got caught, handed it to her, tried running away, but it they still reported me to the teacher. That's um, ironic. I remember that. It's funny. Uh, this is a funny story about growing up and doing bad things like stealing. 
Uh, me growing up, though, I mean, I was a really straight arrow kid, but all my cousins were badasses, and they always used to steal from the grocery stores, like the little candies and whatnot, but I never used to do it. But that's just me. <laughs> and I did steal 75 cents that same year in second grade from, a na- from one of my friends who was a neighbor, but then again... He, uh, uh, she wasn't the biggest fan of him. I mean, I saw them years later. They were very nice, and I'm still in touch with them on Facebook. But as kids, she did not like those neighbors. I think I gave them enough money that the 75 cents was not enough to cover. Yeah, exactly. But, um... It, it, it definitely turned into a character moment whenever I was hanging out with them. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's about I time have, to wrap it up. Yes, I need to wrap this up. Any final thoughts? <laughs> oh, like Jerry I, Springer? Like I grew up at, on Lake Chugagagag, Manchagagag, Chubunagangamag. I have to get that in before we what? go. What? Is that a town? <laughs> it's a lake. It's a lake. It's the name of a lake. The longest name of a lake. Where's that? It was, in, it was in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, that's in Massachusetts. Oh in Webster. Whoa. Oh, my it's goodness. It's a beautiful lake. And that's how you wanted to end it. Yes, that's <laughs> how I wanted to end that's it. That's literally like the one and only nice part about being in Webster. Other than that, yeah, again, Webster was the only part I was familiarized with as a little kid. And I grew up thinking that Massachusetts was this really boring shithole state. No, it has way so more than just that. I've never been to Massachusetts. Well, yeah, you don't have to tell me again now, but back yeah, then. Yes. Okay, can we wrap up, please? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can wrap up and thank you all for tuning in. This has been a very special episode of Vanilla Weissen and the Nostalgic Nerds. And, uh, and I'll say bye bye bye. Tune in next all. time. Tune in next time. And if you ever see my mother in person, you'll know that you don't think there is a next time because she looks dead. Oh! Oh. oh my gosh, no, don't listen to him. She's very beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> to who a skeleton? Oh, we're not doing stand up right now. Don't no. listen, people. No, I'm just doing my truthful commentary. Oh. <laughs> All right, good night. Good night. <laughs>